Well, hello and welcome to episode seven of Success Strategies for Professional Women. Uh, last time I shared tips and tactics to help with self-promotion because it's a real challenge for many women. We find it incredibly difficult to big ourselves up for fear of sounding arrogant or self-serving. And at the time, I also mentioned that I would be inviting a guest along, my, my first. So I'm delighted to introduce Michelle Griffin, a, a fellow personal brand strategist based in sunny Pensacola. Now, Michelle and I met on LinkedIn. Um, we were just talking that it's actually two years ago, um, but maybe a few months before that. Um, but we stayed in touch and supported each other ever since. Like me, Michelle had a corporate career. Hers was in PR uh, before starting her own business. But um, she was way ahead of me on, on LinkedIn um, and she helped me a lot when I first became active. And one of her first acts of generosity was to invite me to guest on her LinkedIn live show, which was a little scary at the time. But she's gone way further than me in having now authored a book, the LinkedIn branding book, and she's created, amongst other things, a podcast and LinkedIn show of the same name. So, Michelle, um, hello. Delighted you could join me. Um, how are Lucky and Leo, and will they be putting in an appearance today, do we think? Oh, it's so good to be here, Mel. How does two years fly by when we're having so much fun, right? And Lucky and Leo send their regards from Pensacola, Florida. I had to get them out the room because who knows what they'll do on camera. So we want to make your first guest episode perfect. And, you know, if you involve a cat and a camera and a laptop, not so much. So it's good no, to be here. No, no. Great. Yeah, Portia's asleep on her red cushion in the other room, so she won't be disturbing me either. So, Let's start. Tell me a little bit about your journey, because we have that marketing PR career in common. Um, but obviously, you decided to move out of that and to start in your own thing. So what were the motivations there and uh, what made you want to leave corporate life? You know, I wanted it for so long, like five years before I actually leaped out of it. And I just had like most of us, like you did, I had hit my growth zone and I just had this inner calling. And really almost since I was in my 20s, I had this calling. Um, back then it was to have my own PR agency, um, but I got the calling about you know, I guess it was in 2015 and um, just to get out there and the online world was booming and marketing. And I thought, you know what, I can get out there, fulfill that dream in a different way to help more people with the gifts, but do it in a digital way because the beauty of technology now and now personal branding, we can spread that message even faster and easier to make that impact. And I'm, I'm all about impact driven personal branding. And I know you do it with the women you serve. And I, I have a mm. special place in my heart for women and putting themselves out there. So that's why I'm really excited to deep dive on this topic today. Yeah. So that's what it is, that burning desire that we usually all have when we know we're made for more. Yeah. So, well, we'll come on to the uh, putting yourself out there because that's uh, that's one of your taglines a little bit later on. Um, but just going back to uh, the reasons, because like you, I I think I started my first, tried my first business <laughs> effort straight out of university. And it was always my wish to do my own thing and run my own marketing consultancy, very similar. Um, but I ended up in corporate life, uh, which kind of suited me. 
and as I've spoken about before to you, my my inspiration for First Woman was actually my corporate experience and seeing all of these women who weren't visible. Did you see that in, in, in your career as well? Yes. And I was in an insurance and legal industry in the, in the latter, my last position. And, and those are especially male dominated roles. Mm -hmm. And, um, I myself started in that role, you know, I, I spent two decades in that role. Honestly, I built it from that position from the ground up and the organization that I was at and the, and those things that we did. And so I kind of felt like where I was in my twenties when I started it. And when I left, I wasn't getting my full self out there. I was still kind of, set in the role that they knew me as. And even though I was capable and everything, I just wasn't able to project myself and grow. So I see that and I feel like it's stifling. And that's why I had that burning desire to get out there and especially help women, like women like our ages and stages, and really all of them that feel that, you know what, I'm ready for more, but somehow my existence here is not letting me shine in the way I deserve. Yeah. And how do you think that happens? Because um, I I worked with so many super competent women over the years who seemed to be not necessarily happy, but as you say, they weren't bringing their full self and their, their full capability and their skill set. They weren't showcasing it because they've got themselves stuck in, as you say, this brand of the doer. Um, and um, they kind of, despite efforts, greater or smaller efforts to get out of there, they were just blocked in, boxed in to, to doing something. I think it might be a generational thing or a situational um, thing. Um, I know that, you know, I'm, I was raised in the South and, you know, women were supposed to be very genteel and hospitable. And I am that, but I'm also have very independent uh, sometimes a little bit non-filtered streak. So not in a bad way, but in a, just a way when I see something that is burning a desire, what is burning that's wrong and lights me up, I just can't sit still and just let it happen. Um, the weird thing is um, on the Clifton Shrinks thing, empathy is my number one strength, which is great. But at the same time, it can hurt you because I see things that are being wronged or people are being wronged and it just I have so much empathy for the situation. It just burns me up. So that's how I think my inner self is. But the external self where I was, you know, in that position in that industry, I just really couldn't be the full self. So one of the ways I do and I say to jump ahead of put yourself out there, my biggest regret and what I'm trying to help people avoid my mistakes and my time wasting, which is so precious, is to put yourself out there with the right clarity, roadmap and tools because all the answers are inside of you. Everything uniquely about you and the gifts experiences are needed out there. But when we, you know, rely on other people to give us permission, perfection, or think we need this, that, and that, that stifles us. And I sat in silence and sometimes despair, hidden and held back, even though I was equipped on paper, just circling in a hamster wheel. And I think that was the saddest thing when you have a mission and message, a burning desire to get out there and you're just so held back. And that's why I do what I do. I seriously created this framework, much like you, you know, you have your framework to just that's my end goal, mission, and mantra to, to help more people. I almost get teary-eyed on podcasts when I tell this story. I think <laughs> back to that time when I was just like, 
Oh my goodness. I feel like I'm on a deserted island plucked into the Atlantic Ocean and there is no way out. So um, that's literally how I felt. And um, so I think it's a combination and culture too. You know, corporate culture is yeah. very much to blame. You know, when you were on my pod, well, now it's on a podcast. When I re-listened to it yesterday from our conversation two years ago, we very much talked about it. And if anyone's listening, if you're listening to this right now, please, hopefully you'll put in the show notes I the will. episode where you were on my yep. show because you just dropped so many gems and just talked about so many good things, all relevant today and even more so. Yeah. And you've posted on LinkedIn, I think quite recently, actually, about how you prevaricated before making that leap, that it was two or three years, five years, I think you said, before you suddenly decided to go and do something about it. So what was the final momentum? What tipped you over the edge? Oh, goodness. Okay. So I talk about this, my story in full detail in the LinkedIn branding book, but um, mm. so that people can learn, you know, um, but about three years into it, I was sitting there consuming courses, spending time and money unnecessarily on courses and credentials that are great in its own right. But if you have no clarity and roadmap, they're tactical things that, you know, you need later. So at this point, I was just like, what can I do? So I think I was invited to speak at um, a friend's meetup and that and then I started my own meetup. Are you familiar with meetups? I think do they have in the UK? No, we're there. OK, no. meetup.com, if anyone checks it out, was like an mm. online platform. I think it's still there where you can host um, local events on any subject all over the world, or at least in the US. And so I had, I started a digital marketing meetup or marketing meetup for small business owners in my local Gulf Coast area. And I started hosting my own events. And so that, that it's confidence and clarity. Confidence is a flex. You had to get out there. I, I started realizing that, not the PYOT revelation, but slowly just said, okay, what I'm doing now is not working. So I decided to speak um, on my own. And then I got invited to speak. Fast forward to 2019. I remember this 2019, April 2019, I was asked to speak at a IT conference for IT cybersecurity professionals on STEM. And they said, just talk about anything. And I freaked out like, oh my goodness, I didn't know anything <laughs> about science, technology, whatever. Then I had the idea, at least in the States, they say STEAM now. They've added arts into it, which I think is brilliant. Oh, so I hmm. said, hmm, I've got a master's and a bachelor's in communication PR. Communication is an art. So I created like, I pretend like this was my 20 minutes TED talk. I was so excited. I created this I wrote it, rehearsed it, and created this beautiful uh, presentation called Own Your Message, How to Stand Out and Succeed in Your Industry. And in it, I created this seven-step framework that literally told you how to figure out who you are, what you stand for, and then how to get that message and communicate it. Because I found in all my years at my job, one of the big parts of my job was to host every year a 2000 uh, person conference in Orlando, Florida, we had people all over the world come and I would meet the most brilliant people. But I figured it was just hard for people to communicate who they were in their story. So this topic was so well received and people were like, wow, this is really good. And so I think I had it as a download and I shared it. And then I, it, someone, I don't know, something just clicked at me that said, 
this is your way out. This is how you, this is the road step you need to go from unclear to get out there. And lo and behold, that clicked. And the same week, my assistant came to me and said, Michelle, I'm ready to retire. And we were in a satellite office and I always knew once she's ready to retire, then that might be my, you know, cue because I didn't want, if I had left before her, the office would be shut down and she would lose her mm. job. And I just right, didn't want right. that. So anyway, it all just started rolling. Like when the, uh, when the stars align, it all started rolling. So I gave my notice. They persuaded me and begged me to stay for six more months to turn things or, you know, cause I'd been there so long. And then on January 31st, 2020, I, was my last day. So I started fresh February 1st, 2020. It's like knowing your wedding day or child's birthday. It's like, you know, <laughs> that day, at least I do. So yeah. And then of course COVID came, but that's another story, mm. but we've overcome Absolutely. that. Um, but anyway, that's my long of the short of it, but in it, I project, uh, there's a lot of wasted years, anguish. I remember walking my morning walks. Is this ever going to end? I felt like I was in the Groundhog Day movie, if you've ever seen it, where it's just like mm, yesterday, mm, today, and mm, tomorrow are mm. the same. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. um, that's why I'm here to get people, to help people get unstuck and get their message and their brilliance out there so we can change more lives and make more impact. And then Absolutely. these beautiful yeah. women and professionals can, you know, love what they're doing, love their life, feel fulfilled and be handsomely uh, paid for their brilliance, you know? No, so I, I, all I, lines. yeah, it does. And, um, and that's an interesting point because, um, Obviously, I have always I've, I tend to coach more professional women than I do business owners, um, because my mission has always been about getting more women into leadership. And that involves uh, getting this mass of middle managers up into leadership roles so that they can influence culture, uh, corporate culture, particularly um, over here in the UK and, and, and absolutely everywhere else. But I think, you, you know, your message of put yourself out there, be visible is absolutely as relevant to women, men as well, but women who are in roles as it is if you're starting your own business. I mean, there's a, a whole other dimension to how you fuse your business and your personal brand to build a business, which you and I have both managed to do. But um, as a corporate person, um, corporate woman, being seen by your stakeholders, still having clarity of your message and the value that you bring to the organization, um, but also being able to demonstrate other things that you can do to build your brand and your profile is what I keep banging the drum about because it's almost like, I know you and I both have a, a little bit of a tick about the term personal branding, but if you know your your reputation and what people think you're capable of doing really impacts your career and if people if your stakeholders don't know what you can do or indeed what you want to do and you're not projecting that out there then how do they know um but that means you have to be visible you have to say what you want you have to work towards a goal and, and be intentional about it and i think as i say that's the same for corporate professionals and for business owners but and so in that many of my clients say to me but you're a marketer so you know how to promote yourself you know if you could promote a can of beans you can promote yourself I don't necessarily agree that's the case. Um, I think sometimes, I think marketing has helped build my business. But, you know, what do you think? Is You're a PR professional. Has that helped you promote yourself, put yourself out there with more confidence because you know the tricks of the trade? 
Um, great question. Um, I think, yes, like your marketing and my PR, yes, I know the tactical things, but it is too mm. hard to know the frame of the picture we're in, the label of the jar we're in. It is almost impossible to do things for yourself. We're caught in too many ideas, too many nagging, positive, bad, all the things, like too many things. It's just like your noise, internal noise in your head is just crazy. So yes, we know the tactical things, but I arm my clients with the, the foundational clarity of who they are, what they stand for, how they're different and how they help. Like if you can nail those mm. down, then you can mm. translate that into the marketing PR. So the beautiful thing about my framework is a combination all in one of personal branding, personal marketing and personal PR. So I give my clients the roadmap and the toolkit, if you will, on that. But the it three is, it's the three P's. Exactly. I, I love alliteration. So, you know, I had to get that in there, but they all go hand in hand, but you know, you can have a personal brand, but I, I stay like you, let's be intentional and strategic, like for your listeners here and for your client base, you know, for the corporate manager who wants to be a corporate leader. Yeah. You've got to exactly get really clear on all that and then your goals. And then let's start from the internal, from inside you, inside the company and then inside out and then work out from there because the people around you are going to be the most important to influence as we're there right now. So when the people know you in your company, that's just going to expedite you and amplify you. And then you take that clarity and the confidence and then you put it out on social media and keep building that and amplifying that asset of you, that asset of your personal brand. So, you know, as long as you stay in your company, that's great. Or you, you have your brand for life, right? If you're building it, it's not a one-off. You have that professional asset, professional insurance that will translate you. Maybe you want to start speaking, being on podcasts, you know, just becoming more of a thought leader in your space that really uh, gives you that clout internally too and externally. So it, you can't go wrong doing it. You just have to start doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's a, a great nugget, isn't it? The idea that um, your personal asset, your agency as an individual, the real you is an asset. And I think that's a something that's lost with, with many people that they don't believe that they are their own best asset um, and that's especially with women and that's a, a, something that has to be instilled but when I when I started um, uh, I had a I had a business mentor that helped me get clarity because as you say there's so much noise going on there's so many ideas and that clarity probably took a good six months to 12 months to get I mean I wrote my value proposition and LinkedIn headline so many times. Um, I just kept tweaking and iterating it. And as, as you know, and I've spoken about before, I, I started off quite broad and then I forced myself to niche down. Did, did you have help when you started? Did you have a coach or a business mentor to get you to your initial sort of straw man of, of clarity? Well, I mean, yes. I mean, because in a way, you know, although it is super, um, it's my superpower to help other people with it. It's my... <laughs> my biggest hurdle for myself, it is so hard to see, my, we can't see our own mm -hmm. consumer, be the consumer of our own brand is what I like to say. So I, luckily I have brand and marketing strategist friends. I would bounce it off. And, but like you say, the, mm -hmm. you can get armed with the initial guardrails, as I like to say, but the best way to start and get traction is to get out there, see what lands with the other people, the people you're here to serve and also see what lands with you. Because one of the things that got me kind of hung up the first year and a half of my business, maybe even two is because if you're not clear enough, different people will come to you and be in the, you know, 
recovering people pleaser I am, I'd, I'd go off track and say, sure, I can help you instead of saying, I'm, so, you know, no, I'm sorry, I can't help you, but so and so can, you know, and so that is the biggest lesson I learned. And we have to stay true to ourselves, true to the goals we're set for ourselves and where we want to be and just keep getting narrow and narrow in that lane to get mm -hmm. faster and faster traction. And as you know, or don't know, you know, six months ago, I, I kind of reframed as the brand therapist to help me stand out in the sea of sameness with all the personal branding people on LinkedIn who have just thrown that cliche out there when it means nothing, it's just a keyword that's popular now. So it, it would anyway, so that's been tremendous. And having your own framework is something I really teach my clients, or I know you have yours. It just helps people mm -hmm. to anchor in their mind with what you do. Um, but mm -hmm. absolutely, the process is important to be intentional and strategic, keep checking, but also keep iterating, keep evolving because our brand is mm -hmm. us and we don't stay stagnant and we want to keep growing to be the best of we can be out there. So um, there's nothing wrong with it, right? The worst no, thing is just to say, forget it and don't do it. That's my thing. I, I, absolutely. You have to get started somewhere. But that was one of the, one of my early learnings when I, when I started out was, um, as you say, you, you know, you, you start broad and then you niche and you niche and you niche. And I think even in the corporate space, um, people worry about becoming too much of a specialist in one area and then not having enough, um, well, basically limiting their options. And I look at it in a completely different way because, as you say, when you become an authority and have credibility in one particular area, and it might be an aspect of your job or it might be a particular superpower or skill, then that's the thing that you can build your platform off. And that's the thing that you become known for. And the hardest question to your point about the uh, the brand therapist and stand out. The hardest question to answer is, what do you want to be known for? Mm -hmm. It's so. Hard. What's the impression you want yes. to leave behind? Uh, what's that default descriptor when you exit a meeting? What do you want people to say about you? And if you're trying to cover a really broad spectrum, there isn't any one thing. You just end up being, you know, that phrase, um, jack of all trades, master of none. Yes. Absolutely. Think about it this way. When we put Google up, we don't say, show me everything, right? We're very specific, <laughs> you know, we're specific. Yeah. We crutch. And then, you know, let's talk about for PR media attention, the more specific a niche you can get in a certain topic to a certain beat or reporter mm. and, you know, twist it with a story angle. That's what's going to pique the interest of the media, the people putting people on stages, on podcasts, you know, all on panels, mm. paid partnerships, all the things, the people who are specific that's how you stand out. And I fight this all the time to, you know, lovingly fight this, trying to get it out there. In fact, one of my dear connections on the other day just posted a year ago, I said, I gave, we were in a virtual call and I said, you really should, you know, be neat, more niche. And she wrote about this post like, a year ago, she told me oh, to niche down and I didn't listen to her. And then she talks about the whole year, how she just, you know, went all over the place being too broad. And then she's like, oh, yeah. I learned my lesson. And so she's like, saw the light at the end of the tunnel. So um, mm. I get it. I say it, I teach it and preach it. But then, you know, when it comes to your own self, it's scary. I get it. But mm. I promise mm. you, there is a power and payoff, not only putting yourself out there, but positioning yourself in one particular area.
Yeah, with one particular audience. And I, um, so I certainly started broad. I was trying to do marketing consultancy for anybody who'd pay me. Um, I think, I th- you know, I think I had a page with my first website, which was strategic gun for hire, which at the time I thought sounded good. Ugh, awful. I look back at it now and think, Jesus, that is just so <laughs> cheesy. Anyway, so, and then I had personal branding for women and you couldn't have two more different things, but somehow I tried to tread the boards on both before. Mm going down personal branded women. But how having done that for four years, I now I'm, feel I'm in a position that I can talk to female founders um, about how to bring their personal brand into their business because very often solopreneurs, you are the face of your business and people buy people. So your personal brand needs to be almost ahead of your logo and the, the brand design that everybody always focuses on for their for their website or whatever. So I'm able now to start a little bit of diversification. Whereas I think if I started to do that in the beginning, talking to corporate professionals as well as female founders, let alone anybody in marketing, it would have I would have made it so much more difficult. And these are the kind of pitfalls to avoid. Um, and anybody listening to this, you know, learn because we've done it, haven't we? We've had four years now, both of us, of, of yeah. getting it wrong, but also getting it right. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here today. Thank God. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I, I like to tell my clients, anyone who listen, I'm like, I test everything for my clients, like any, you know, tech strategies, whatever, doing this, that. The only thing I haven't done is a TEDx talk that's on my list maybe for next year. But I try mm. to test it all because I want them to know, look, I've been on that road. I've made the mistakes. I've burned the money and the time so you don't have to, right? That's that's my thing. But you're so right about, you know, going all broad. That got me nowhere. And I'll tell you one of the other benefits of going super niche for an audience, a topic or plat or whatever point of view is because your content on social media is so much easier to write because the pain points of a corporate leader and a woman founder are really kind of there's a lot there's some overlay and overlap, but there's yeah. immediate pain points that are different. And so if you want to speak to one particular audience, they're going to take notice. Oh, Mel is talking to me. Mel is for me. Mel can help me. And that's what I tell my clients. Look, just start at the micro niche level and you can always broaden out just exactly good example mm-hmm. of your doing now. And I love that. So start mm-hmm. small, start narrow, and then go wide. I prompt, not the other way if possible, but yeah. hey, we yeah. all have to make those mistakes. If someone wants yeah. to test it out, I say, well, just go try it. You know, there's some people who just don't want to listen. I'll say, well, go try it. Yeah. Go try it. Yeah. And then uh, nine times yeah. out of 10, they come back and say, oh yeah, you're right. I had to narrow down. <laughs> so it's life. <laughs> we, we have to go it through is. it first, you know? Yeah, and and you learn, don't you? Let's talk a little bit about um, LinkedIn and um, okay. your book uh, that you you launched uh, with Michelle Raymond last November. Yes, I think it was, it wasn't it? The LinkedIn yeah, there it is. book, and yeah, there it is behind yeah, me. Yeah. All this other stuff. <laughs> yes, that was a bucket list for sure. So glad I did it. Good. I mean, I I have I I do not have um, a book in my in my body I really don't and the number of times people said to me you know do you want you ought to write a book no definitely not and I did kick around an idea with that idea with an associate of mine but then I just thought you know what I can't commit to doing this so um I very early days I did pull out and said I I can't do this haven't got the time so I have tremendous admiration for anybody who's got the determination and the patience to write a book because that's that's certainly not me but I also have a bit of a love-hate relationship with LinkedIn. Uh, but um, your book is entirely about building a company and a personal brand on LinkedIn. Um, 
And again, people either really, it's a bit Marmite LinkedIn, is it? They either love it, hate it, they post or they don't. Um, so what motivated you to, to create this book purely about building um, a profile and uh, posting content on LinkedIn? Well, there's a couple of different reasons. Um, the first one, it, this is not like a LinkedIn how-to book. I mean, yes, we tell you mm. it, it's more strategy, but it's our personal stories. It's our personal thing. It's not mm. the it's not the book you think it is. Like if you want to go, because we've infused a lot of stories. We're telling our personal stories from two points of view. My co-author, the other half of Michelle Squared, Michelle yes. J. Raymond, who's in Sydney, Australia. We met in uh, on a comment in December 2020 and just hit it off. She does company brands. I do personal yeah. brands. And we realized early on the power of two is what we call it, of putting the both together. You can really mm. amplify and multiply mm. it. So mm. we got together and we created this brand squared system. It really easily helps people who are really on the sidelines. We wrote it for people on the sidelines, much like I was in all of 2020. So yeah, I got fast forward to 2020. I'm out of my consultancy, but for nine months, I sat on the sidelines of LinkedIn. I was in there looking at all the people, you know, getting, you know, all the accolades and all the things like, I need to be out there. Why can't I be out there? Right. It's another one of Michelle's stuck in her own world, stuck in her own mind, five years in work and now nine months on LinkedIn. And so I, I tell my story of how on uh, January 1st, 2021, I said, enough. I finally like just get to the point of, I think Tony Robbins, I think, said this quote. And I've mm. always said it. I just realized he had a similar quote. But the pain of staying stuck is far worse than the pain of getting out there. So I made my public challenge of posting every day in 2021. I started the 365, now the 365 Creators Group. That's how I think we met. And yeah. um, because I know that I use LinkedIn as your launching pad. I, you know, I know PR and visibility and multiple diversified visibility streams is my method and what I preach. But LinkedIn is where the fish are, you know, for the audience we're here to help. So um, it's a great place to meet people and build a community and connections. But you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. And I think you and I have talked about that off mm. camera before too. So, mm. um, so mm. I think it's a powerful place to build a brand and then, and launch your opportunities and get the opportunities. Um, I don't see that particularly as well, like in the Instagram space or Facebook as much if you're trying to help B2B. And as you know, I think that is both our target audience. So that's mm. why I love it. I've mm. met my clients and community and connections from all over the world. So, um, it's a fast way to get out there and, and make a difference. No, I completely agree. And, and certainly um, I wouldn't have had a business without LinkedIn. Uh, mm -hmm. I'd say that categorically. Um, 99 percent of um, of my clients come from LinkedIn. And in the beginning, it was women that I had worked with in the past. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes from 10, 15 years ago in different agencies. Um, but because I was LinkedIn and, as you say, it's the business network, they saw me posting. So they then realized that I was doing something completely different to what I'd been doing for the last 20 years. And then if they needed some help, they contacted me. So it was that was sort of opening a door that was you know, maybe a little bit open. But then as time went on, and as happens now, I was getting connections and, and DMs from people who I'd never met before, who hadn't even commented on a post. Um, completely out of the blue. Uh, just, I've seen your content. I really think you could help me. Can we have a chat? And that for, was really, really powerful um, to be able to 
realise that even though, you know, it's not a popularity contest and we've talked about vanity metrics and how people uh, think that unless a post go, vi go viral, it's a waste of time. Um, to be able to engage with these, these this audience that were, I didn't even know were out there, was quite amazing. And like you, I've struggled with Instagram. I've struggled with Facebook. Do you remember Clubhouse? Is Clubhouse still yes. going? Oh, is it? You know, I think I, I, I think it is. In 2021, I jumped on it early too, and I had a personal branding mm. mastery room for nine months. Yeah, I met a lot of people there too. It was like a trendy thing, but um, that was another place. Social audio, I love. You and I both love podcasting, so that's yeah. a great. I attract people from both my podcasts too, so I have to say mm. that's been a benefit. That's another diversity visibility stream. Um, but the beautiful thing about LinkedIn, you're so right, Mel, 95% or give or take of people who are on the platform are learners. So they are watching you, even though they maybe not comment mm. or like uh, the vast majority of my DMs are from people who have been, you know, just seeing me, but not commenting. So you got to stay in the game there because you will be a hundred percent off the game if you don't. So, you know, you're being seen. And the funny thing is, you know, reach is down now from two years ago when I started, but I'm still consistently mm. getting the same amount of DMs. So I don't go about, I don't care about the numbers. I just care about the people I can help and reach out to me, mm. right? And the mm. people I in turn reach out and likewise. So, um, so anyway, it's a launching pad. It, it is the launching yeah. pad because you're going to be seen by media, by other people. If you're in corporate, you're going to be seen by mm. people in your industry, your company, other jobs. You know, there's so many people who are watching you. And that's the thing. People are watching. Somebody's mm. always watching you. Remember that song? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. so true there. No. No, you're right. And I think, um, you know, certainly during lockdown and, and COVID, you started your business just before COVID, as did I. Mm -hmm. um, LinkedIn was a lifeline because mm -hmm. uh, once we'd all got our heads around uh, doing everything virtually, um, it was it enabled us to keep on going in a way that having a bricks and mortar type mm -hmm. of business um, was, was impacted. But um, I've started doing more face to face now not just mm -hmm. in coaching but i started going back to face-to-face -face networking to um uh business workshops and uh, women's networking events is there much out there do you, do you do much of that yourself is that or is it still not happening no it is it very much is i know you're in a really large market in in london obviously mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Pensacola's a little mm -hmm. bit smaller market but i have gotten out i've spoken in conferences i've attended conferences um, my last conference I've spoken was in um, my alma mater, Florida State University, and I met amazing women. It was a women's leadership conference, and I met amazing people that I've connected with. So I absolutely love in-person networking. Like, that's my first love. And I just get, if there's an energy you can't exchange or replace, you know, from online. So um, I'm going to be beefing that up um, even more this year mm. as much as possible. Mm. And I want to look to maybe attend, you know, in the fall, later part of the year, some bigger events in bigger cities like Atlanta and just stuff like that. And also try to see some of my in-life uh, real my LinkedIn connections in real life. And of mm. course, my bucket list is still to get Michelle J. Raymond to travel from Sydney, Australia <laughs> to the States. That's on her bucket list too. So we can finally meet my co-author. We've never met in person, yeah. which is crazy. <laughs> so I, I agree mm. with you. 
It is crazy, but such is the nature, isn't it? Of And this is one of the other things about LinkedIn. I mean, you and I, we've never met. Um, yes. You'd have to, you have to stop me coming to Pensacola because I mean, I love, um, I love Florida. We've come, we've been there so many times. Um, but I, I have had conversations with people in Hong Kong, in Singapore. Um, it's just, it's globally, it opens up a whole new world that yeah. I think when we were before, before COVID actually, is perhaps one of the few benefits of COVID is that's what it's, it's done. It's, it's enabled people to connect from all different walks of life from all different countries um, and make literally make friends uh, be friends with people that you would never normally have come across at all so then you could take that as you say into your local communities and um, and, and networks and, and talk about that so um, what's the if you had one lesson from your book or from your experience um, in terms of put yourself out there as a woman what would it be? Well, of course, I'm going to say put yourself out there. That's my mantra and mission. But mm. women especially are scared of visibility and self-promotion as being too mm. salesy, too braggy. One of the things I always like to say, visibility is not vanity. Visibility is being valuable. And that means you have expertise, unique skills, perspectives, beliefs, and transformation that can help someone else. So when you stay stuck and hidden and held back, you're doing no one any good, yourself and those that you can transform. So whatever it takes, the smallest little step, you've got to find a way to one day just keep getting out there, get that clarity, and you will get the confidence. Confidence is a muscle. The more you flex mm the more it grows and the more you're changing yourself and others you're here to impact. So that's why it all is to the greater good, you know, for yourself and for others. So that's my biggest thing. Realize you need to be out there. And uh, mm. people like Mel and myself are here to help you do that. Yeah, you're so right. And, and um, you know, this this whole, as I say, self-promotion thing for women, but also that um, the vulnerability that comes with visibility or the perceived vulnerability that comes with visibility. And um, because women are so much more harshly judged on being out there and the things they say. And um, uh, but I, I, you know, I think there's that's not a reason not to do it. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually a reason to do it uh, because, you know, I'm very big on on women speaking up you know owning your voice and that's um that's when you have and start to use your agency for for the greater good for other people and if that takes you being visible then as you say there's nothing self-serving about that that actually role models for other women in in your industry in your business where you work that um that that woman's got a voice and that means i can have a voice too and that's really really important i think for you know the younger women coming up through the ranks behind us absolutely we've got to keep pushing it forward and then paying it forward and get it back people behind us yeah we'll keep going so it's like a united front we're all going to hold hands and say we're doing this right no one yeah. is going to back down so yeah that's exactly it in a nutshell and that's why i'm here that's why you're here and and that's powerful and and i'm so glad we we are doing what we're doing because I don't know about you, but I love waking up every morning going, I, I just love what I do because I know I have a big vision and a big mission, you know, to help mm. these people, these women, these experts who are just here to change, get mm. out there. And, and that's the beauty. And we're collectively making the building communities and cities and futures that way. And, and that's a beautiful thought. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. Michelle, thank you very, very much um, for your time. Um, so I will definitely put, you know, wave your book on screen again. Um, I definitely put the details about your book and um, also your LinkedIn profile um, into the podcast notes. So anybody can do that. But literally for the listeners out there, anybody who wants to find out more about Michelle, she is Michelle B. Griffin at LinkedIn. Uh, if you just search on LinkedIn, you'll find her. Um, and um she's happy to help as am i so thank you ever so much everybody for listening and um we'll see you next time in about uh three weeks as opposed to the six weeks it was this time thank Forgive you me mel on that one. it was awesome to be here thanks thank again. you michelle all right bye, bye.